0: Hello everyone and welcome to the first Moe Gamer podcast of 2021. I'm Pete Davison from MoeGamer.net and as usual I'm joined by my good friend Chris Kasky from CkaskyArt.com. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well Pete, how are you?
0: Yeah not bad, Uh, just sort of getting over the holiday season. I'm still technically on holiday um, as we record this so that's nice. I've got a a couple more days before I have to go back to work but uh, yeah it's been nice. It's been nice to have a few days off, uh, sort of unwind, relax and chill out from the the chaos that we've endured from the previous year and and sort of look forward to to what might be coming
1: next so that's what today's episode is about
0: yes indeed indeed nice segue um yeah so today's episode uh we're going to be talking about what we're looking forward to playing in 2021 so um, that will doubtless include some stuff that is coming out in 2021, but it's not necessarily restricted to that. Uh, so it's just stuff that we're looking forward to getting to this year for one reason or another. So that will be our main topic in the third segment. Uh, before that, we will be uh, talking news, first of all, and then a bit about what we've been playing recently, so following our usual format. Right, okay, uh, beginning with the news then. Uh, so a bit of a grand bag of stuff, with it being the end of the year and sort of everyone shutting down for the end of the year it's sort of bits and pieces um but there's a few interesting bits and bobs amongst this lot so uh in no particular order as always uh first of all uh it's been announced that the action rpg adaptation of grand blue fantasy grand blue fantasy relink uh will be getting a playstation 5 version um in 2022 so we're already looking forward to next year (laughs) um but yeah this this was already looking pretty nice and um there's some really nice sort of ambitious looking sprawling scenery with stuff stretching off into the distance hopefully the additional power of the ps5 will mean that it runs nicely and looks really nice so this is this has a lot of potential to be really really good i think um they've released a 23 minute gameplay demo now as well uh showing uh, some gameplay of the protagonist Gran and Jita, and um, equipments, party formation, boss battles, that sort of thing. So I'll put some footage up from that uh, while we're talking about this here. And uh, you can also go and seek out the full 20-minute uh, gameplay trailer online, should you see fit as well. So, yeah, I, I know you've been quite interested in, in this one.
1: Yeah, I mean, so this, was the one, this was the game that Platinum was originally helping with. And then yes. they kind of moved on and passed it over to the... The, the current developers. So I mean, I just like action ga- <laughs> You know, good action games and this appears to be one and like all the all the footage we've seen has some really cool like big boss fights and and really neat kind of oversaturated it has a you know the the aesthetic you would expect from something grand blue fantasy related, right? Mm-hmm. The, just the oversaturated colors and like I don't want to quite call it cell shaded cuz like it's not really a thing anymore but mm-hmm. just like it has that like 3D anime brought to life like painterly aesthetic with like the cut co- the, the the colors being bright and yeah unrealistic and um, you know uh, i've had limited experience with a ps5 but like my favorite experience so far on the ps5 has been the um, the astros playroom pack in game yeah from um and and specifically because of that because of like how amazing all like the 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 like the better than reality colors and textures looked yeah, yeah. So, so so like uh, with any new console the stuff i'm most excited about this is something we'll talk about a little later too is uh, uh the idea that the stylized games can become even more stylized and even mm-hmm. more crazy and oversaturated and and, and fantastical so like Games, hearing that games like this are gonna get exclusive, you know, are gonna get beefed up PS5 versions is the best way to get me more excited about a ps5 than i yeah. had been previously yeah
0: definitely definitely and uh, this is going to be a nice way to to get involved with grand blue fantasy if you have no desire to play the mobile game as well which is uh, yep. which is great because grand blue fantasy has got really nice settings got really good characters lovely art lovely music and that sort of thing but i i i played the mobile game for a bit and it was quite fun but after a while it, it's just the same old grind uh for for sort of better equipment and stuff and while they, they do do a good job of doing continual events with storylines and and adding new chapters to the story and so on sometimes you just want to you just want to you know play a proper game <laughs>
1: sure yeah that's one of the reasons i'm so excited for this it's a it's an opportunity to engage to engage with this property which obviously i know was like culturally significant in our world <laughs> and 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 engage with a lot of these characters who I'm just familiar with by proxy like from being on the art scene right like mm-hmm. I've been yeah, yeah. enjoying fan art of grand blue fantasy characters for what almost a decade at this point so yeah, yeah. so it, it's really really looking forward to the opportunity to to learn more about them um, yeah I had a similar experience with the the arc system works fighting game they did it was a great it was a lot of fun to finally yeah. be able to engage with this world and these characters
0: yeah Alright, moving along then. Uh, The next story we've got is that uh, Onion Games has announced that they're working on a new game. Um, And there's a couple of things interesting about this. First of all is that it's going to be a sandbox RPG. Um, And secondly, the... the head of the of Onion games yoshiro kimura has said that this will probably be his final rpg so uh not necessarily his final game but probably his his last big sprawling rpg that he decides to do so there's not a lot to know about this at the minute aside from a bit of concept art um but he's uh, sort of shared that um the kind of concept behind it is that uh is What's this quote? Can children ever hope to overcome this irrationality which adults have left unresolved? Um, and bring back the romantic fairy tale nature of RPGs and helping us to discover our own answers to that question. So Yeah, so, um interesting stuff. Onion game stuff is always really creative and and cool. So yeah, worth worth watching out for yeah, this. I one. I
1: recently played Blackbird. hmm
0: That was the, which is, that was a really odd shoot 'em up, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, it was almost like like a weird absurdist gothic take on um uh fantasy zone like you go back you go back and forth and the level just loops yeah um (laughs) unbelievable so much fun my buddies and i have really been enjoying playing it and just like laughing at it It, it's challenging it's actually like a really good shooter but it's uh it it just uh, it's so absurdist in its presentation that it's just there's not anything like it
0: yeah, yeah, I've not, I've not tried that one, but uh, I've enjoyed some of Onion Games' other stuff. I mean, we 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 both played uh, Dandy Dungeon a little while back. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, Million Onion Hotel is cool. Um, Moon is out now as well. Haven't played that yet, but it's uh, it's out, and people have been enjoying that and being thoroughly bewildered by it as well. So, yeah, 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 lots of lots of interesting stuff from them. So, okay, uh, moving along, we've got a couple of Capcom stories. Uh, first of all. Um, Capcoms uh, ghosts and goblins is getting a resurrection version on Nintendo switch so this is an updated version uh, that blends 2d graphics and 3d models uh, supposedly to evoke the look of classic medieval illustrations um, so yeah this is this is basically a, a remake of the original game with fancy graphics uh, from the look of things and
1: yeah it uh, I've seen a, a lot of footage of it and it's it looks like it plays great there's a mm-hmm. lot of my initial impressions on the announced trailer were like really negative but then yeah. like the other day i watched like a like an actually like, dedicated gameplay stream and it, mm-hmm. it, it it looks smooth it looks like the levels are really thoughtfully designed like i'm a lot more excited for it than i was initially
0: yeah yeah it, it looks it looks very authentic to the original but just a lot sort of smoother and slicker and uh to the the lot more frames of animation and stuff and using sort of modern techniques and modern ways of presentation so yeah definitely one to one worth watching um alongside this uh, capcom also announced uh capcom arcade stadium which is a collection of 32 of their past games from their history coming to nintendo switch in february of 2021 um the model for this they're doing is they're distributing it as a free download uh, which comes with a copy of 1943 the battle of midway for free uh, and then the games will be sold as um presumably either individually or as packs i think you can you can also buy the whole lot in one big pack as well um so just pay for it once and get the whole thing so um this is something that um, we, we we talked about this offline this would be really nice to see a, a packaged copy of um, whether they will do Should that whether they will do that or not with the sort of uh, model that it's being released under remains to be seen I guess but either way there are 32 great Capcom games in here including some stuff that we don't tend to see uh re-released quite so often so you got stuff that you expect yeah. in there like Final Fight and uh Bionic Commando and all the 1940 X games um but then you've also got um lesser known stuff like Dynasty Wars I don't think I've seen that uh re-released or released at all for ages um that no, is dynasty wars not dynasty warriors although it is based on three kingdoms it's a three kingdoms beat up um stuff like well, mega that, the,
1: that, that was on the Capcom beat up bundle wasn't it or is this no. a different game
0: no I don't think so um I don't think so anyway hmm.
1: I remember play I remember playing it on the Capcom beat'em up bundle
0: hmm I don't remember seeing it there. Well, anyway, it's there. Um, but then there's also stuff like uh, Forgotten Worlds, Mega Twins. These, these are all games that I haven't seen since um, sort of the Atari ST conversions of them. Uh, there's Pro Gear on there. Is that that's one you like, isn't it? I think is that right?
1: Um, not super. I mean, I'm sure I've played it, but it's not ringing any bells. Um, mm. But there is some great, um, like some of their great shooters are on here. Like for, yeah. like Forgotten Worlds, is great um, Giga Wing. Mm-hmm. Gigawing yeah. wing is awesome um yeah I, I can't i can't think of pro gear varth varth is really cool mm-hmm. um yeah just a lot of neat stuff on here uh obviously cyberbots um i don't think there's ever been a port of cyberbots yeah um which is awesome just a, it's just a premium 32-bit era um premium 32-bit era capcom at its best just like one-on-one fighter with uh with mechs and like pieces that fly off and just great animation so yeah there's yeah there's a lot of great opportunities on here to play stuff that i'm sure a lot of people haven't played yeah
0: definitely and of course there's three versions of street fighter 2 in there uh, <laughs> oh the game you were thinking of in the beat em up bundle was warriors of fate uh, which was the follow-up to dynasty wars
1: oh okay that makes sense yeah yeah
0: so, so Dynasty Wars, to my knowledge, has not been re-released possibly at all. Uh, I don't know if it was on like one of those older Capcom bundles for the PS2 or something, but I certainly haven't seen it for a long time. And in fact, the first time I saw it was when I was rummaging through uh, my library of Atari ST disk images, and I happened to see it, and I thought, ooh, ooh, wonder what that is. And it's got a terrible ST port, um, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm in no hurry to come to that. But I thought its, its existence was interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah so keen to see the original arcade version of that so yeah that's february 2021 so not too long to wait for that one at the time of recording so that's nice uh next up um this uh this is the news that uh, Microprose has been sort of resurrected over the course of the last year or so and rather than being resurrected as sort of a, a mobile development company as so many of these old names tend to be this appears to be sort of authentic old school Microprose. so they're going to be focusing on things like simulations and strategy games and that sort of thing all the sort of grown-up games that they used to do back in the 16-bit era and one of the ones that they've announced is carrier command 2 um which is very exciting so this is not yeah. this is not a sequel to carrier command gaia mission which bohemia interactive put out a while back this is this is a sequel to the original carrier command which came out on um eight and 16 bit platforms all those years ago so um it's, it's the same basic principle so you have uh, you have an aircraft carrier that uh, houses uh flying manta vessels and amphibious walrus vessels um and you have a large uh, group of islands that you need to capture in order to produce resources and um, and uh, create weapons and armor and all that sort of thing. And your long-term goal is to capture as many of these islands as possible, defeat the enemy carrier, and basically dominate the whole thing. Um, they've gone for a quite an interesting aesthetic with this one. They've gone for a deliberately low-poly look with an almost kind of cell-shaded look on some of the effects. So oh, if you look cool. at like the um, the 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 sea, for example, the sea is uh, sort of very flat shaded, but it's got sort of very high contrast waves on top of it. So if you, if you think of how like Wind Waker looks, the ocean looks quite similar to that in Carrier Command. It's got very sort of bold, vibrant colour. So nighttime missions, sort of things like the explosions, glow really uh, really strongly in the darkness. Um, anytime you're interacting with sort of computer interfaces and so on there's a very kind of retro look to it so it's heavily pixelated it's got like giant fonts with big pixels and that sort of thing it's got really really distinctive stylized aesthetic to it so um yeah this is potentially going to be really really nice um it's going to be uh, sort of a good opportunity for this new microproze to prove themselves i think because the original carrier command is such a Uh, A a fondly remembered game for a lot of people who were around for it first time around that uh, if they can do this justice then yeah this is really going to put them on the map for a lot of people I think so very exciting exciting. yeah um, not a ton more information about it yet uh, but you can add it to your wish list on Steam I believe and uh, they've got a website up for it now so you can find out a little bit more about it as well so and sign up for mailing lists and see screenshots and so on so yeah i uh, don't think there's a planned release date for that as yet it wasn't announced that long ago so uh they will probably tell us a bit more when there's something to say spring 2021 is what it says so far so we shall see uh next up uh we've had a teaser from snk uh, that they're going to be releasing a new console in 2021 uh whatever this means so they, yeah, they exactly put out, they put out uh they put out a trailer. Um, i think it was just a teaser image actually that said who is the best player and it has a wi-fi symbol on it and it says snk and neo geo on it and they've described it as a system to bridge the needs between fashion fans and console gaming enthusiasts um god knows what any of that means but (laughs) well something something is happening from snk um difficult to work out what because they've already done like several neo geo things haven't they Um, yeah
1: i read a thing where they said this isn't a retro console this isn't Mm -hmm. like this isn't like a thing that's just jammed with neo geo roms so like i don't really know what they're talking about yeah i think it's probably just gonna be like some kind of streaming box where you can down download stuff with it'll be like rigged up for online multiplayer that's probably what i'm thinking
0: yeah, I, I suspect that because because of the sort of focus on who is the best player and the and the Wi-Fi symbol on the teaser image and so on. So probably something yeah. along those lines. But well, you never know. We could have the Neo Geo Two
1: this year. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not imagining something I'm going to want coming out no. of this, but probably not. Just, but it's just bizarre, bizarre yeah. news. Yeah,
0: yeah. All right. Uh, next up um valis the phantasm soldier it's uh, the 35th anniversary of this and so there's a whole revival project going on so uh, they've launched a website for that uh, super valis 4 has recently been released on the nintendo switch online service as well so you can go and play that that's the slightly worse version of valis 4 because you, you really <laughs> want the, you really want the pc engine version but um nonetheless nonetheless you can play a version of valis 4 on your switch now um the last Valis game was the porn game, wasn't it?
1: Yes, yes it did, <laughs> it, did, it did it did indeed cross the line into uh Irage territory there. Yes, uh, in the end. Um which is something it had always been <laughs> dancing with <laughs> for, for, for its entire existence and it just was like screw it. Um Yeah, yeah not great, but the uh I, I have fond memories of Valus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, well,
0: Valus the... is, is cool because it's it's got a very sort of iconic nineties anime look about it as well as so, like even in the even in the um, sort of PC ninety nine and MSX and Super NES and PC Engine games, it's got this lovely lovely nineties anime pixel art look to it. It had a quite it was quite an early game to have a strong focus on cutscenes and stuff as well, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, it's a it's a great series. I have lots of fond memories of it. I have three of the the Genesis releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I used to have one or two of the PC Engine ones, but I divested myself of those for some reason in the course yeah. of history. But yeah, I've, I've always had a very soft spot for these games. They're just... They're not great. They're just decent side-scrollers, but it's mm-hmm. all about the aesthetic. It's all about yeah. that feeling that you're basically playing just like a interactive 90s magical girl adventure anime kind of thing it's, yeah. it's just it's just fun they're, mm-hmm. they're cool games
0: yeah yeah so there's there's an official website and twitter account up for that now there's not a ton of information on either of those at the minute but um if you follow along on those you'll doubtless find out a bit more information as they announce stuff so watch out for that and like i say nintendo switch online subscribers can play super Valis for right now so that's nice um moving along uh we've got news that there is a new game from sting um coming along soon which is glory union Union, twin fates in blue ocean fhd edition uh, which is an enhanced port of a psp game uh, and they will be coming they will be bringing it out to switch ios and android in 2021 um so as, as well as just a straight port they will have tweaked the balance a bit, uh, improved the graphics to high definition and substantial ease of play reform, whatever that means. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, um, I'm not sure what substantial ease of play reforms means for a sting game because uh-huh. they're just so flipping weird in terms of <laughs> mechanics that like I I don't, I don't even know like how you would do like ease of play stuff without totally just making it like a radically different game. Yeah. But, it- I don't know. Yeah. I have I have hope that maybe this will get localized, or at least an English language Asian version for yeah. the Switch, because Igdra um, Union is one of my favorite strategy RPGs, which uh-huh. this is the follow up to, and we never oh, got. Oh, cool. Yeah, we never got this um, in the West, right? Um, and I love uh, Sting's Department Heaven series titles. Um, mm-hmm. They're always stylistically interesting, like beautiful menus, great animation. Um, I just I encourage anyone to, to look up the footage of this on the on the on the announcement trailer. It's just uh it just it's such a unique game and yeah. I really would like to play it in English.
0: Yeah, yeah that would that would be really cool. And and it's it's a plausible possibility in this day and age, so. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for that one. Okay, uh moving along, uh we've got a new Evercade cart got announced just before Christmas. Uh, So to go along with the Oliver Twins collection, they're doing a full on Codemasters collection as well, uh, which includes 17 games, um, including B-52, Big Nose the Caveman, Big Nose Freaks Out, Boomerang Kid, Cannon Fodder, CJ's Elephant Antics, Cosmic Spacehead, F-16 Renegade, Linus Spacehead, Megalomania, MiG-29 Soviet Fighter, Psycho Pinball, Sensible Soccer, stunt buggies super skid marks tennis all-stars and the ultimate men. um so this there's an interesting mix of stuff there some of that stuff is um not great <laughs> but it, then this, this is almost all
1: crap yeah but <laughs> this but is a then... lot so... <laughs> but,
0: <laughs> um, but, it's but so, sort of significantly, crap. significantly, there's um, there's all the sensible software classics on there. So you got Cannon fodder, Megalomania, Sensible Soccer; those are all great games and are still great today. So having Megalomania portable will be very dangerous because um, <laughs> that's that's a that's a really interesting, really fun uh, god game strategy game type thing um, with uh, sort of very iconic digitized speech from the era. I love that. Yeah, the designs, ready. It's uh, yeah. Uh, I have I have Mig twenty nine Soviet fighter for the Atari ST, and it's absolute garbage. So I'm looking forward to seeing the (laughs) uh, the NES version of that. (laughs) but this 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 is we've talked about this numerous times before this is the nice thing about the evercade the evercade is not just about sort of curating the 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 amazing stuff that people have played hundreds of times already and that you've probably got at least five sega collections of on your shelf on various platforms it's also about um, preserving some of these experiences that while, while they might not have been the best uh, they were still an important part of gaming culture at the time. Uh, Codemaster stuff was was a big part of uh, British gaming culture in particular. Not so much over in the states, but uh, in in the UK in particular, Codemasters was like a huge presence in home computer gaming. So a lot of people over here in the UK will have fond memories of a lot of these games, regardless of how actually good they are. So. Um, it's it's an important release, even if you don't end up playing a lot of these, uh, a, a great deal. But honestly, honestly, it's worth it for just like the three sensible software games that are on there. Um, sure. a, a Psycho Pinball was quite good as well, if I remember rightly.
1: Yeah, now, you know, we've talked about our love of pinball a lot on this show, so I'm really mm-hmm. looking forward to having a um, like a, a good pinball game on the Evercade, which we yeah. don't really have. Yeah, um, there's the pinball game on the Atari Collection, but obviously that's. <laughs> More, yeah. more of a historical curiosity. The other, that's historical curiosity is the key to this too. Like yeah. the other thing that's interesting about this is like uh, like Big Nose freaks out, right? Like that was a game for the Aladdin Deck Enhancer for yeah. the yeah. for the uh, for the Nintendo. So like it's cool that that's on here. It's cool that that's gonna be playable. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it's been available on emulators and stuff, but it's it's just neat to get to play some of those games that were on weird proprietary Codemasters hardware yeah
0: yeah all right uh continuing on uh there's another update for bloodstained ritual of the night coming along um so the uh, they are getting ready to introduce the classic mode uh which turns the game from an open structure 2d platform into a more traditionally structured level-based castlevania style adventure um and they've gone so far as to uh, revamp the interface to look suitably uh, lo-fi up at the top of the screen so it's got these lovely sort of pixel fonts and it's got the uh, player and enemy health bars at the top and a score and a time limit and all that sort of thing so um yeah if you've been if if you've been looking for a different way to play bloodstains then this is coming in january 2021 as a free update from the sound of things so Um, yeah that is one of many updates that they've added to the game since its launch so they've already added the um the randomizer mode uh which sort of jumbles around all the items in various places so the basic map is the same but all of the items and stuff are in completely different places and uh they've added bonus characters zangetsu and uh whatever the other one was called blood something or other yeah yeah i forget with the umbrella yeah. Um and it's like there's like a, a mode where you can play the bosses as well or something like that, I think.
1: I think there's I think they add like a boss rush mode or something. Yeah, there. something like that.
0: So, um yeah, so this is this is coming in 2021 uh, in January 2021 rather. It is 2021 now. Um there's a trailer online for that now, so have a look at that if you would like to know more. And if you have Bloodstained, uh wait for that free update and then you'll be able to play it. Right. Which is uh the con-
1: story of Bloodstained.
0: Yes, indeed. Wait, <laughs> wait for waiting. the free
1: update, then you'll be able to play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Especially I, I... if you bought the Switch version. Yes, exactly,
0: exactly. That is at least playable now, but um, yeah, I, I've, I've held off exploring that in detail until they sort of put everything in there, so I can explore it in one go. Same. All right. Uh, continuing on, uh, Tales of Arise, which is the new Tales game that we've not heard a lot about recently. Um, apparently, this is entering the final stages of development now. Uh, bandai namco is currently preparing to release new information in the near future um
1: so yeah expect some more news on that soon um i just posted this because i was like oh yeah this game still exists and i was originally excited for it and then i forgot it existed yeah yeah i think a lot of people existed again
0: yeah a lot of people forgot that it it existed i think because we've just had nothing on this since its initial announcement um it sounds like they've been quite hit quite hard by covid19 which is probably why they haven't said very much um sure but uh yeah not not much more information that they can share just let just yet um and they couldn't share any information in the tales 25th anniversary live stream that happened recently um but there will be new information coming soon apparently so uh, fingers crossed we'll hear a bit more about that very soon uh next up uh arc system works is developing a fighting game based on dungeon fighter uh, which is sort of a, a long running, um, it's a free to play game, isn't it? I think Dungeon Fighter Online.
1: Yeah, so like, I saw this post and I wasn't really sure why this was significant. So then I looked into Dungeon Fighter Online because I'd never heard of it. Mm. And so I'm reading this directly off the Wikipedia page because I also posted a link to that. So, so, so. We could educate ourselves. Uh, but apparently, Dungeon Fighter Online is one of the most played and highest grossing video games of all time. Yes. Exceeding yeah. a total of 70, 700 million players worldwide and mm-hmm. having grossed over $15 billion in in life li- lifetime revenue as of mm-hmm. May 2020. This makes it one of the highest grossing entertainment media products of all time. Yeah. So this game is massive in terms of following and revenue
0: yeah yeah i it it sounds like you've not come across it before i i have seen it before and i've never actually sort of got around to trying to play it because as with so many things the free-to-play side of things put me off a little bit but i i i i I do know that this has been around for a long time and there there are quite a few people i know who have played this in the past and and have a lot of nice things to say about it It's, it's, it's supposed to be really good fun and the fact that it's it's not just another like warcraft knockoff with cooldown based stuff it's an actual proper online beat-em-up as well makes it a lot more interesting than uh, than some things but yeah um things like the character designs and stuff have been popular over the years it's had numerous adaptations to anime and manga and online animations and all sorts so yeah this, this has been huge for a good few years now it first came out in 2005 and it's still going strong today so um yeah like with Grand Blue Fantasy, it'll be nice to have an alternative way of engaging with this game if um if you've not uh sort of signed on with the with the free to play version at any point. So
1: Yeah, exactly. Really looking forward to being able to engage with the character designs and stuff. Yeah. Um and arc system works makes good fighting games, so
0: indeed, indeed. And it looks very much like they're they're doing their sort of trademark two D, three D hybrid thing with that. So yeah, all for all for more of that for sure right uh next up uh Grandzella has teased that disaster report 5 is already in development so that means they've got it running at two frames a second already um <laughs> so <laughs> um yeah so they, they posted a, a 2020 retrospective article looking back at uh, some of the stuff that they they did this year which is included the uh the pc version of disaster report 4 and the overseas release of the playstation 4 and switch versions um and yeah, so they, the, the the teaser was at the end of this article. That uh, So the quote was, There might be some of you saying, All you have to say are advertisements, so I'll share a bit about our next title. According to information I acquired from sources I am unable to disclose, planning and partial prototyping for Disaster Report 5 seems to have already begun. <laughs> as for whether or not Stiver Island, Capital Island, is involved in the story this time, I'll leave it at that for now, as I'd rather not lose my job. Please look forward to more news in the future. Um... So apparently they have they have teased um, they have teased um, this a couple of times previously, uh, and in fact uh, there's a reference to Disaster Report Five in Disaster Report Four in one of the uh, epilogue scenarios that you get with the with the Western release. Um, Disaster Report Four is quite fond of referencing the other Disaster Report games as products within its own world. <laughs> oh, so that's like, interesting. So like you'll be wandering around and likely, you'll like you you'll see a poster for the other disaster report games and like sort of like presented as movies and video games that they've been released so yeah it's it's not out of character for an npc to talk about disaster report 5 um and in this case it sounds like uh they are planning to set it between the first and the second games um yeah so. so
1: for those of you who are super concerned about disaster report lore and continuity
0: yep yep yeah which is which is all the more chaotic with the heavy localization that the first two released uh that the first two had when they were released over here so yeah that's going to be interesting um i'm all for more disaster report um uh, because yeah i mean well i've i've talked to at length about how much i like disaster report for but despite its numerous issues but uh yeah more please uh and the last thing we've got today is that um uh, near creator Yoko and square enix producer yosuke saito are working together on two new games um yoko yoko approached um saito in 2019 and said he wanted to make a particular kind of game with a proposal Uh, saito was completely against the idea and strongly objected (laughs) um but uh yeah yeah he he persisted and had prepared an hour long presentation to persuade him um yeah so god knows what this is um could be absolutely anything given the background of the people involved um but uh, i think we can we can assume that it will be interesting uh, and they're also working on something completely different altogether that they have agreed on in the past so uh, <laughs> more, more work has already gone into that one and it's expected to release before this uh this whatever this next chaotic mess is going to be um so yeah and they're sort of suggesting we might hear something about these new games uh before near replicant releases in april of 2021 so hopefully more to come on that very soon but yeah two two new titles coming uh coming from square enix there
1: I like living in this world where Taro Yoko gets to make games and people know who he is.
0: Yes, 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 it's great. It's great. And uh, sort of where him having a disagreement with a high up at Square Enix is... uh, is Sort of newsworthy, and yeah, you can you can picture that scene
1: <laughs> <laughs> because I picture him wearing the Emil helmet the whole time. Yeah, and I yeah. and like also when they're like he gave an hour long presentation, like I picture him wearing the Emil mask for yes. the hour long presentation. Like,
0: just, yes, yes, I can also picture everyone in the room steadily getting very drunk as well over the course of it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just like. I, I think about Taro Yoko and his work more than is healthy, probably. And, like, I also spend a lot of time ruminating over the fact that he's married to the woman who does all the artwork for the Taiko no Tatsujin games. <laughs> I know. I
0: love that. I love that. That is my favorite piece of, of lore about him. It's, it's wonderful.
1: <laughs> and, like, what is their life like together? Because <laughs> she draws the happiest, sweetest, sunniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. And he makes the games that I... my, my collo- In my household, colloquially, the first Nier was often referred to as sad game. <laughs> yes.
0: Yes. Well, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. Oh, dear. But yes, yes. Exciting times ahead yeah, for a lot of reasons. All right. Anything else you want to mention before we uh, wrap up that and move on to our next segment?
1: No, I had to work hard enough to scrounge that shit together. So. Yeah,
0: yep, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough, fair enough. Things will be picking up again from here, I'm sure, now that everyone is uh, sort of back to work, or working from home anyway. So, alright, we'll take a short break there then, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about what we've been playing recently. So we'll see you in just a moment. Welcome back. For our second segment, we're going to talk about what we've been playing recently. So... Uh, I'm sure there's been plenty of time over the holidays to enjoy uh, a bit of fruitful gaming. So, uh, what would you like to start with, Chris?
1: Yeah, I have been playing Monkey Barrels. Okay. Which is a, uh, a ga- <laughs> what? What <laughs> it is uh, a game by Good Feel, the, okay, the people yeah. behind Kirby's Epic Yarn, Yoshi's Woolly World, Yoshi's Crafted World. Um, uh, but it's like a not Nintendo published game they did mm-hmm. that's available in like the eShop and stuff. Right. Um, so it's really cool. It's a, it's just a fairly typical twin stick shooter, um, with you know, uh, uh, but uh, you know, like a dodge roll and uh, just yeah. it's like fairly, fairly typical twin stick shooter. But what's nice about it is it's not, um, it's not what I would call like an arena twin stick shooter. Like, right. it, so it's not just like a big open place that you've got to like survive in this big open world like rick robotron or like smash tv style yeah yeah. um and it's not a roguelike it doesn't have any random generated elements it's actually a designed game with like deliberately put together stages like little mazes and stuff with like challenges and, and obstacles and uh, gaps you have to jump over. It's just it's. I play a lot of twin stick shooters because they're they're fun and kind of easy to pick up and play when you've got a short amount of time. But um, it's rare this day and age to come across one that's just really deliberately designed. Where like where each stage is a very specific. Like this is level two. Uh-huh. This is how level two is built. Like. You know, you, you go through the city, then you go down the manhole, then you're in the sewer, then you, you're working next to the flowing water in the sewer, and you climb back up the manhole, and then you're in an alleyway. And like, it, it's all uh, just kind of a very lovingly made. And um, it's weird to be like, it's cool to play a game where the levels are designed, but yeah. it's not always a given these days. No, um, no, not
0: at all, especially in this kind of game.
1: Yeah, so it's, it's been really refreshing. Mm. Um, there's a ton of weapons to collect. Um, and the whole idea is that you're these cute little monkeys in, in like a post-apocalyptic world where mankind has been totally wiped out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, and all of the guns are made out of like garbage. Yeah. Like, like soda pop cans and, 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 and olive oil bottles and like, just like whatever. Um, so they all have like clever pun names. Um, yeah. and they all have different fire rates and, and, and fire styles and, It's all typical stuff, like spread guns and flamethrowers and rocket launchers, but it's cute to see how they've, like, made the little models for the guns out of, like, garbage and rubber bands, and um, Mm -hmm. there's a ton of them, and you can equip up to two at once, and then you also get to equip two alt weapons, um, which is stuff like grenades, but then also, like, different stuff, so, like... Like uh, you can throw like um, restaurant placards down on the ground to act as bullet shields yeah. and stuff and stuff like that. So uh, it's just a, a competently made twin stick shooter. Um, and the other thing I really like about it is visually, it's really cool. Um, the folks at Good Feel, I think they're kind of just they've demonstrated through a lot of their work for Nintendo that they have a very specific obsession with like unique visual styles and textures yeah. Yeah. in their games. And this, it was cool to see that they continued that even when they were making an independent game. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, monkey barrels doesn't really go for like a crafted aesthetic or like a real world textualized aesthetic with it. But what they did do with it is something that I've been talking about on this podcast for a while. It is a basically a faux retro 32 bit PS one era style visuals. Mm. So, so it's, it's really low poly models with pixelated deliberately stylized pixel art textures that are low res yeah so it just it looks like a ps1 game running with the clarity and solid frame rate of today's hardware yeah like so it's like a ps1 game minus the fog and it's Mm. it's really cool looking and it's like you could tell the effort that was made into nailing that very specific era of visuals
0: yeah yeah yeah, definitely. I'm just looking at some footage now. This looks really fun. Uh, yeah, also, it's a ton of fun. Also, it, it claims to be the monkey-crab wars to end all wars, so you're saying it's crab battle.
1: It is. It is indeed a <laughs> crab battle. Snake would be proud. Fantastic. Not to be confused with that crab fighting game that terrifies us. Fight crab. Fight, yes, fight crab. <laughs>
0: oh dear yeah I, w- I watched someone someone playing that youtube pro jared played it a while back it, it looks hilarious but it also looks like complete nonsense but i kind of want to play it still
1: <laughs> yeah me too me too i missed a, i missed the opportunity to grab a copy of ace of seafood yeah at the at the limited run games blowout sale yesterday but i just knew that i wasn't going to really find anyone to play it with but <laughs> those games are endlessly fascinating to me
0: yeah yeah, yeah. The fact that they've sort of been successful enough for there to be several of them by this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right, what else you been up to then?
1: Uh, I have also uh, been playing almost religiously the new Paper Mario. Oh, yep, yep. Uh, Origami King um, started fired that up the weekend after Christmas, and I pretty much haven't played anything else. for cool. The past week. Yeah. Um, yeah. it's. So good, um, I, I like every now and then I come across a game that's so. And uh, it's stupid to use the word "crafted," like it's a pun because of it's Paper Mario. <laughs> yeah, 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 but but it, this game is so meticulously made, mm-hmm. with such a such attention paid to literally every every minute detail every stage every character every area it's unreal to play something that's this this lovingly crafted like this full of heart um just the writing is on point the tone is consistent it's laugh out loud funny without being irritatingly ironic it's always sincere it's always kind um it's legitimately fun to play it's the i i know there's been a ton of writing specifically about the music Mm -hmm. um and how um how how ingenious the music is how um like there's there's a, there's a, a consistent battle theme but in each region there's different variations of the battle theme depending on which region of the world you're in which then shift depending on the way the tide of battle is going so some guy did the analysis and and it's like exponential right there's like 640 different possible variations of the battle theme or something like that (laughs) based on different conditions different regions different things that can happen and it's There's been specifically writing and videos made analyzing the musical genius of this game. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I don't know, I love everything about it. Mm. Um, the, the visuals, uh, the mechanics, um, you know, uh, the Paper Mario games uh, in recent history, ever since Thousand Year Door on the GameCube, have gotten a ton of, a uh, ton of negative, um, attention because, Basically, Intelligent Systems just refuses to make the game people want. They yes. refuse They refuse to make what Paper Mario 1 and Paper Mario Thousand-Year Door were, which were fairly typical RPGs set in the Paper Mario universe. From Super Paper Mario on forward, um, Sticker Star, uh, uh, Color Splash, mm-hmm. um, what they've tried to do is basically make RPGs that are barely RPGs. They have games that have some RPG elements, but they're almost indefinable in terms of genre. Yeah. So they often have RPG style turn based combat, but they eschew pretty typical RPG elements like experience points and like level up progression in your characters. Yeah. Um so you really just do the battles to do them. They're obstacles and they're fun. Um it's not it's there's there's no grind, which is really interesting. Um but It doesn't mean they're not fun. I think the battle battle system in particular in Origami King is really interesting because it really turns every battle into a puzzle to be solved instead of a traditional turn-based role-playing game battle. Um, So what it does is it throws you into the stadium and there's four concentric rings and the enemies um, scatter on these concentric rings and you're provided with a limited number of moves you can make based on... Um, the organization of the enemies and what you need to do is you either need to rotate the rings um, like clockwise or counterclockwise or the rings are also segmented into blocks and you can slide them crossways across the circle like um and so between rotating the rings and sliding the blocks um, your goal is to either line the enemies up in a four in a row straight line or in a two by two square yeah um to either Uh, If they're lined up in a straight line, that's when you can jump on them with your Mario shoes. And if they're in a square, that's when you slam them with the hammer. Uh, And then it has the classic Mario RPG um, tropes of having the active elements. Like if you press A, right, when you jump on the enemy's heads, you do bonus damage. Um, So really every battle is more like a puzzle game than it is an RPG battle. And like some of them are tough, some of them are easier. You never quite know what kind of organizations of enemy pattern they're going to throw at you to 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 fiddle with this uh and then and then the boss battles they flip all of that completely on its head so so in the boss battles the boss is in the center and you're outside on the concentric rings and then the rings the, the rings and the panels have uh, arrows and action panels, so when it's your turn to act, you have to rotate the rings and slide the blocks in such a way that you hit these arrows, and when you hit an arrow, you run in that direction. Yeah. So you have to organize the arrows and the power-up panels so that you run... Where you want to run to go to like wherever the enemy is indicating that there's a safe zone or wherever its um, vulnerable spot is. Um, so like just multiple interesting ways of playing with the same mechanical base to like continuously make the battles feel kind of different and, and kind of unique using a hundred percent mechanics, not just raw difficulty and the need to grind and like yeah. big numbers. Um, and, and and there's no gear really it's just solid mechanics that are fun to engage with over and over again
0: mm-hmm. yeah i've I, i've not played this myself yet but my my wife played it through a while back and I, I saw her playing some of it and it looked really cool and um for a game to drag her away from final fantasy 14 it must have been pretty good so uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah 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 it's just it's layers upon layers with this game. Like um, so, like another thing that Paper Mario has become quite famous or maybe infamous uh, for in the past couple years has been um that it also fuses traditional elements of like the point and click adventure game with the rpg so like a lot of what you're really doing in paper mario isn't traditional rpg stuff it's solving problems and riddles and hunting for items like oh well that ninja needs to do an underwater training with a with a pipe reed but you find a straw well if you give him the straw he gives you his shurikens and you need the shurikens to play at the shuriken shooting gallery at the amusement park and you need to win that shuriken shooting gallery to earn the baseball so that you can trade the baseball to the dry bones for one of their bones so you can get past the chain chomp like it's (laughs) it's just these sometimes illogical very funny loops of like item using items you find to solve puzzles um it's just always funny always interesting always surprises um, you have to hunt for toads that are all over the place, um, and, and it almost becomes like an I Spy game, looking for things that look out of place, looking for things that are curious or suspicious, and then, like, thwacking them with your hammer and, like, hoping it's one of the toads you're trying to rescue. So, like, the environments are lovingly crafted and beautiful to look at, and you're tasked with essentially exploring every square inch of them if you're a completionist, which is yeah. really just a ton of fun because you know, as I've often mentioned here, like I primarily love playing video games as a excuse to interactively engage with art. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So when a game is built in such a way to specifically encourage you to pour through every square inch of its design in the way that Origami King is, it's so satisfying to me.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah I've heard a lot of good things about this one, and even sort of people who have been fairly resistant to the last few Paper Mario games seem to be liking this one as well, so yeah yeah sounds sounds really good i will it's a series i need to delve into at some point i've I've not even played like super mario rpg so i i, I really need to explore this series as a whole at some point so um yeah but uh oh, good to I think know you'll
1: love them I, I think you'll specifically love the writing um that's yes all, that's all been a hallmark of these games is incredible writing and localization work yeah yeah, um, That's one of the reasons I always play them, is because I just love them. I love the characters. I love the stories. They make me feel good. They're just so sincere.
0: Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Anything else for us?
1: Uh, that's it, really, for me that I've been playing hardcore. Um, I recently got the... Um, the I don't even know how I'm supposed to pronounce this. Atui? A- A- Atui? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, collection for the DS... 3ds which is something that was published by limited run but uh i want to take some time to really dig into some of those games because they're really well designed so hopefully talk about those on a future episode
0: all right sounds good all right uh what have i been up to then so um in the last couple of days i finished off atelier aisha which i'll be uh writing about on moeagamer.net very shortly um yeah, this was really interesting because this was the first one of the Dusk series, which is uh, the series that I've I've not explored at all previously. I'd played the Arlen series before, but uh, Dusk was completely new to me. We talked a bit a bit about this previously, but uh, sort of haven't played the whole game. Now I can sort of comment a bit more on it. I think, and um, yeah, it was a really good game. Um, I was worried that the the overall time limits for the whole thing was going to be quite tight, but it ended up not being too much of an issue at all um basically the 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 time limit in aisha is handled a bit like the one in atelier tottery in which you just have a long-term goal to achieve over the course of three years and that's plenty of time to achieve that goal and it also um it's got like a a sort of quest log and journal thing in there that uh, clearly indicates the things you need to focus on if you want to get through the main story um so you you know what you need to prioritize and once you beat what is essentially the main story of the game you keep playing until the, the the time limit is up so you have all the time you need at the end of the game to go and wrap up any loose ends to finish off character stories to unlock specific things for specific endings and so on so it's, it's structured quite nicely so it, it is still time limited but it's quite a a sort of approachable take on it it's not anywhere near as tight as some of the previous ones so uh, i quite like the way it did that um it was yeah very interesting difference in tone between this and Ireland which we talked about last time as um as we said uh, the Ireland series is a uh, based on a land which is sort of undergoing certain types of upheaval it's undergoing an industrial revolution and uh political changes changing from a, a monarchy to a republic but there's nothing sort of earth-shatteringly wrong going on in Arland's there, there are sort of like big bads you can find around the place but they all seem fairly incidental to sort of a, a nice peaceful life in the kingdom um the dusk series on the other hand as we said before um you're basically living through what appears to be an impending apocalypse um aisha doesn't really make a lot of of what is truly going on very clear i'm sure that's going to become more apparent over the course of esher and logi and shally um but it's obvious throughout atelier Aisha that something is wrong um and it, it gives it this this really unique distinctive atmosphere where you get the sense that people are specifically trying to stay positive um among increasingly difficult circumstances and that's a that's a very nice shift from uh, from what arland offered and um yeah it's it's particularly apparent with with the main character as well so the whole concept of Atelier Aisha is that uh, she is searching for her sister who got spirited away by some means uh, before the story started and there's this really sort of wonderful sense that she is uh, very much trying to put a brave face on everything so she's sort of trying to remain positive and be friendly with everyone around her but you you know that like she's really worried underneath and that she's really sad about her sister disappearing and there's if you dive deep into analysing it, which I will do in my MOA Gamer articles when I when uh, I get to that point, there's probably some sort of interesting allegories going on in there for things like uh, I don't know things like long term illness or sort of inevitable death and that sort of thing. But um, yeah, it's 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 been really cool and I, I really really enjoyed it. Um, the the dusk series as a whole, I know, is one of the most well regarded Atelier series or most well regarded modern Atelier series. So I was very excited to, to move on to that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 been a very positive first impression so far. Um, other stuff that I have been doing. Uh, I picked up an original Xbox recently, so I've been playing some stuff on that. Um, stuff that I want to mention on that today. Uh, I've been playing a bit of Dungeons & Dragons Heroes, um, which is a, a game I used to enjoy back in the day. Uh, Dungeons & Dragons Heroes is one of numerous um action rpgs that came out throughout the sixth generation we talked a bit about this offline the other day but
1: sure
0: yeah one of numerous sort of hack and slash action rpgs that came out throughout the sixth generation so that also included things like uh, the two Baldur's gate dark alliance games the fallout brotherhood of steel game the uh, champions of Norath games on ps2 so there was there was a nice mix of this type of game Uh, throughout that period in console gaming and the nice thing about a lot of them is that they made themselves quite distinct from diablo so dungeons and dragons heroes for example is less about um it's less about getting lots and lots of loot like you do in diablo and it's a bit more about sort of carefully developing your character and uh engaging with the combat effectively it's it's got almost almost a kind of beat-em-up feel to the combat in places which is understandable for the genre but there's a strong focus on paying attention to distance and the range of your weapons and that sort of thing so i'm playing the wizard character um but the the wizard in this is perfectly capable in melee combat unlike a a lot of dungeons and dragons games but the default weapon is is a staff for example which has like a much longer reach than you might expect from hand-to-hand combat so you can you can quite effectively keep enemies at a reasonable distance using your staff and then there's also some of the spells are clearly designed to uh, manage the distance between you and enemies as well so you start with a spell that's just a gust of wind for example that just blows enemies backwards slightly so you can use that to sort of push them back and then fire off another spell at them like fire a magic missile at them or something Uh, and then you can upgrade that to things like burning hands which is basically turning yourself into a flamethrower and and all sorts of things like that so it's it's a fun game it's (laughs) Visually, it's sort of relatively unremarkable. It's quite sort of uh, one of those era um, games where it was sort of quite green and brown throughout. But sure. the, the gameplay is really solid. And one of the most noteworthy things about this one is it's one of the few games of this type that I've seen um, where you can actually play with four people simultaneously. Yeah, so, that
1: was always nice with the Xbox. It had, yeah. the, had the four ports right on the front.
0: Yeah, exactly. So if if you can gather several people to uh to play with this it's got it's got drop in drop out multiplayer as well so you can you save your characters separately from your progress through the game as well so um if you've got several several people playing on the same xbox or if you've got several characters on the go you can load up a save file and then pick which one of the characters you've saved you can import into there or you can like you can lend your characters to someone else or something like that oh, that's so neat. i like that so yeah it's, it's, it's very friendly to um sort of playing in different ways it's fun in single player it'd be nice to play it in local multiplayer again but uh, with the way things are at the minute that's uh, a far off dream right now <laughs> yeah. uh the other stuff uh, i've been playing on original xbox i've been playing a lot of project gotham racing as well um which was uh, a launch title for the original xbox and still holds up really really well um so i'm enjo- enjoying that a lot i'll be writing more about that in the new year i've decided i'm going to do a a feature on bizarre creations because now i've got pretty much all of their games that are readily accessible so i've got everything from their their formula one games on ps1 up until uh blur and james bond bloodstone and then uh the stuff that they did before the ps1 games so they did a, a couple of mega drive games and the c64 game those are easily emulatable so It'll be interesting to sort of track what they've done over the years, see how it's developed, uh, and how they kind of got into the mould that they were in uh, when they sort of finished things off. But also the the interesting ways that they branched off from that mould as well, so with things like Geometry Wars and mm-hmm. Boom Boom Rocket and uh, and James Bond as well. So, yeah, looking forward to exploring those. So I'll talk more about those on moea Gamer in the near future. And the last thing I want to talk about for now. I just spent a couple of hours the other night playing a bit of Penny Punching Princess, which oh, yeah. uh, I know, I I know you've game. mentioned recently. Yeah, uh, you mentioned uh, a while back when you first got hold of it. I, I managed to finally pick up a copy of it. It was it was quite hard to find for a while, but um, I managed to get a, a cheap copy over the Christmas period, so I spent a couple of hours playing that uh, the other night. So Penny Punching Princess, if you've not come across it before, or if you've not heard us talk about it before, it's... Um, it kind of markets itself as, uh, as almost a beat-em-up, but it's a, it's a top-down action game where you control the angriest princess in the world uh, as she uh, tries to sort of reclaim her ancestral home from these uh, literal loan shark dragons who have been... Uh, who basically uh, caused their father to die from debt and that sort of thing. So uh, you run around and you punch things and you kill them, but the, the big sort of interesting mechanical wrinkle in this is the ability to bribe almost anything in the game including enemies and traps Um, and so you collect money as you wander around these various levels Uh, when you stun enemies in combat you can wiggle the right stick around to sort of shake them down and get more money out of them and then you can use that money during the levels uh, to to bribe things and when you bribe something uh you either sort of take control of it if it's a a trap and you can trigger it at will and it will damage enemies uh or if in the case of an enemy you get the ability to summon it a couple of times and use it as a special attack basically and then there's a few other places uh, around so you can like you can bribe um sort of the magical pads to heal yourself you can bribe doors to open them and uh, everything you bribe effectively gets added to a collection back in your castle and uh, the more stuff that you collect in there the more different pieces of armor you can equip the more special abilities you can unlock Um, there's lots of skills to upgrade and that sort of thing so it's not really an rpg as such but it's got it's certainly got rpg elements in there but it's got this very sort of nice handheld friendly level-based structure to it as well so you can just sort of sit down and have a few minutes of fun with it or you can dive into it a bit more deeply and engage with the progression system and try and make some progress with it. But yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. And um, yeah, I know you, you you enjoyed this a fair bit a while back, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I just uh, it's just that right mix for me where the the minute to minute gameplay is extremely arcadey, mm-hmm. but but then there is progression elements. Yeah. So like like that is always the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I specifically love games with an overhead action. Uh, style so yes and and just uh just like i was saying with paper mario the writing in this game like it's funny and irreverent without yes. being grading um like you were you, we were laughing when we were talking on offline the other day like why is your butler a beetle i don't know <laughs> there's probably a joke there that i don't know but it's uh, it's hilarious <laughs> that you're getting yeah. like chattered at by this like horned beetle
0: yeah yeah, but the, I mean, the, the whole thing is, is sort of uh, a kind of wry, sidelong glance at, at capitalism and how how uh, sort of having lots of money can be a bad thing, but sometimes in order to get stuff done, you need money, and does that make you any better than the people who caused the problems in the first place? So, yeah, there's, there's lots of interesting stuff going on there. It's it's, it's trademark B-tier Nipponichi, isn't it? And it's, it's got lots of clever and interesting things, and no one played it.
1: <laughs> which I, yeah as i say which as we've mentioned many times around here b tier nipponichi is the secret a tier nipponichi <laughs> <laughs> yeah absolutely there's also other playable characters i think did you get far enough to unlock like the zombie no. girl
0: no i've only finished the first chapter so far but okay. um there's, there's there's sort of the the loading screens and stuff have this sort of uh it looks like a sort of succubus girl type thing floating yeah. around as well so yeah i assume she becomes important at some point so yeah like i said i've only played the first chapter so far but that's already given me a nice taste of the different things i can expect from there like crafting the different types of armor to put different emphases on your stats so attack and defense and the different special abilities and so on so yeah there's there's a lot of interesting mechanical depth there as well so it's by no means just a, just a simple button masher um there's a there's a lot of interesting interesting stuff going on and even sort of arguably some kind of real-time strategy elements with using the traps and oh that yeah sort of thing. Yeah. Very much
1: so very mu- uh, tower defense almost yeah kind of... yeah yeah have you uh, have you looked into the princess guide that's the follow-up from the same from the same group i i have it this but is- i
0: haven't played it yet because i, I wanted to play this first uh, but yeah you know, i have a copy of the princess guys so i will be exploring that at some point but uh yeah yeah if, it, if it's sort of a, a similar kind of idea to this which from what i understand it's it's kind of a, a different twist on what this is doing then yeah i'm looking forward to, to trying that as well
1: yeah it doesn't have the like bribery and capitalism thing but like if mm-hmm. you look at the footage it's the same game <laughs> like like, <laughs> the, like the overhead and like the traps and like the gates and the, en- the way the enemies and the combos happen um but then it just pu- it puts like a like a princess development like sim on top of yeah yeah but it's all the same fonts and stuff it's clearly the same people
0: Mm -hmm. yeah cool well yeah looking forward to exploring that uh, a bit more over the the coming weeks and months so um yeah there'll be be some some writing about that and probably a, a video tour as well at some point so watch out for those all right uh, that's about everything i want to talk about for now that i'm not going to mention in the third segment so um anything else you want to bring up before we move on not that's it cool all right let's take a short break then and then we'll come back and talk about what we're looking forward to in 2021 so we'll see you in just a moment Welcome back. For our third segment, we're going to talk about what we're excited to play in 2021. Now, as I said at the start, this isn't necessarily stuff that is coming out in 2021. It's it's stuff that we just want to get to in the coming year. There will be some stuff that is coming out this year, but doubtless there's also some stuff that's been on our backlog for uh, a month or two, or a year or two, or a decade. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) Several decades.
0: Yep. Yeah. This is
1: the year I beat Breath of Fire three.
0: <laughs> yeah. oh god, yeah. I I, sh- I should play that again at some point. I got to the last boss and couldn't beat it.
1: Oh, she's a monster. Uh, yeah, that's like a- notoriously one of like the hardest.
0: Yeah, so so I have never beaten Breath of Fire three. I don't I don't know if I still have my old save file. I think I I, I still have most of my old PS one memory cards. So I probably do still have have my old save file somewhere. But no. Myria in Breath of Fire 3 is an absolute monster. <laughs>
1: also, just a perfect sprite. Yes. My god, is that a beautiful sprite. Yes. Uh, I don't want to muse about PS1 air, Breath of Fire. I'll be here all
0: day. <laughs> that's the whole episode in itself, I'm sure. Right, so what are you looking forward to in the coming
1: year then? So I tried. I tried to focus mostly on stuff that's coming out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because if I focused on backlog, it would be a seven and a half hour episode. Yep. But I think my number one game I'm most looking forward to next year, which will surprise no one, is East 9. Yep. Um, Because we love East around here. Um, Modern East, Party East, as it's sometimes referred to, is just a ton of fun, right? Different characters all play slightly differently with different elemental affinities, and you've got your speed characters and your power characters, and they all have different roles to play in the combat. Um, The new E's really seems to be mixing that up in a lot of interesting ways um, because the the monstrums, the characters that have these like monstrous transformations that form the core of the story, all have cool like animal. Uh, aesthetics like there's and like code names so there's like white cat and raging bull and like hawk and they have these animal themed appearances and these animal themed attack styles uh, so like i like stuff like that so i'm really 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 keen to get to meet these characters and, and enjoy a, a good fast-paced action rpg which modern ease always is uh, yep. with these different colorful characters um and there's, of course, lots of other stuff too that they're mixing it up for the new game. Um, most notably, that it has a kind of a horror gothic theme, yep. which um, is new for Ease. That's not really something it's ever done before. So that's that's really interesting. Um, and also, kind of tradition, not exclusively, but traditionally, Ease has been more of like an outdoor affair. I don't really know yeah. how else to describe it. Like, yeah. Yeah. dungeons are often caves and ruins and forests. Um, there's very few like instances in like ease of like big indoor dungeons and like man-made mm-hmm. structures with the exception of ease origin, which took place entirely in a man-made tower. But those environments inside the tower felt like outdoor environments. Like there was a yes. desert inside yeah. the tower. Like, um so there's been a specific emphasis with a lot of the stage environment design with ease nine to focus on architecture Mm -hmm. uh like gothic architecture dungeons and buildings because the majority of the game takes place surrounding and in uh, a big city Uh, instead of it being like the city as a hub and you go out in like the wilds like the city is where the game takes place so uh, just thematically and visually it's a whole different take on the ease um franchise so there's a lot to look forward there i think
0: yeah yeah i'm looking forward to that a lot as well but uh, I, I do need to catch up on on ease i've still got ease 8 to play so yeah same
1: same uh. <laughs> <laughs> and, and 8 is massive from what i understand i know yeah. we've mentioned it once or twice on here before but like I, i've heard it's i've heard ease is Almost like a traditional 40-50 fifty-hour RPG, which is totally different from how Ease used to be. I used yeah. to love Ease because it was the series I could beat. Like the game, <laughs> the games used to be short. Yeah,
0: well, it's. I, t- I think sort of since Seven onwards, it's been kind of kind of large. Seven was like probably 20-30 hours. Uh, Calcutta was about 30-40 hours as well. So yeah, it's been moving in that direction for a while. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear Falcom Sound Team's take on Gothic.
1: Oh, it should be incredible. It should be incredible. The guitars are going to be... Yeah. It's just going to be pure goth rock. I can't wait. They're the
0: best. Yeah, Yeah, looking forward to that.
1: I still have to check out the PS4 port of Calcutta.
0: Mm, Yes, yes, uh, I need to as well. It'd be nice to be able to play that on the TV uh, because as as I think I mentioned before, the the PlayStation Vita version, they patched a North American version to work on PlayStation TV, but not the European version. Oh, that's bizarre. Which is annoying, but um, you know, yeah. well, um, yeah, I, w- I will probably try and pick up the the PS4 version at some point, but uh, yeah, ease ease is good. Always, um, right? Even so when ease is stuff- bad, It's pretty good. <laughs> right uh stuff i want to mention um i'm just going to pay brief lip service to stuff on my backlog as you say if we if we talk through all our backlog stuff we'll be here all day but i do want to acknowledge the stuff that i would like to try and get to this year if possible um a lot of this is dependent on how long the rest of the atelier feature i'm doing takes. so um the atelier games i've got left to do are uh and logie which i'm going to be starting this week uh, and Shelly from the Dusk trilogy uh, so two more in that trilogy then there's the three mysterious games uh, which I'm particularly interested to check out because those don't seem to be ones that people talk about a whole lot
1: yeah, for one kind reason of or another forgotten about. Mm, yeah and they look interesting to me like thematically and a lot of the character designs are really cool yeah yeah like that's the um, one where the girl has like the, the, the book right like the personification of the book is like a playable character and she's kind of like an almost like an automata
0: yes that's right that's right that's the that's the the character placta from safi atelier safi who yeah. also appears in warriors all-stars as well oh, so mm-hmm. um i i've already met them in warriors all-stars so it would be nice to have a bit of context for them um then beyond the mysterious trilogy there's nelki which i'm really curious about particularly having just played the whole series in succession i feel like i'll probably get a lot out of nelki uh, what with it being the series fan service game um and then by the time i uh, sort of come around to the final stages of the of the feature i'll riser 2 will probably be out as well so i'll have the two riser games to play as well so looking forward to those um, stuff on my shelves that I do want to try and prioritize uh, when the Atelier stuff is all done with. Uh, I've got Death End Request 2 is waiting for me because I really enjoyed the first one. Oh, yeah. uh, Mary Skelter, those two games. Um, do love a dungeon crawler, and those are supposed to be some of the best out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Star Varnia, just because they that sounded like a really interesting game with some really interesting thematic concepts and mechanical considerations and so on and there's a whole pile of neptunia stuff i haven't played as well so a lot of compile heart in there um and as i said in the second segment uh, i'm going to be doing some some bizarre creation stuff as well so uh, there's some games from there that i haven't played much or at all before so there's formula one on ps1 which is a lot more arcadey than you might expect given how codemasters have handled the series in more recent years james double7 bloodstone Um, and then other stuff that I was sort of casually aware of back in the day but never actually played like Fur Fighters
1: oh yeah Um, sure mm. that was fun on the Dreamcast
0: it came out on Dreamcast and then they did an enhanced version on PS2 so I picked up the PS2 version uh, because it's got more stuff in it Mm -hmm. Um, they also did the official game of Treasure Planet as well oh the Disney? yeah yeah so I, I don't know how that is but i've ordered a copy because it was like a pound so because you know licensed game no one wants sure them, except me um, fur
1: fighters is a good time especially if you can get someone to play it with you the multiplayer yeah. is a lot of fun
0: yeah yeah looking forward to that right um so the first thing that is actually uh on the way uh, rather than already on my shelf uh, that i want to talk about is is brock the investigator
1: oh yeah tell me yeah. all about this
0: so um this is an adventure game by um a guy called fabrice breton uh also known as Cowcat games and uh, regular listeners and or readers of moa gamer will probably know that name best from his really good ports of um the games by a uh solid developer called diabolical mind uh so he did uh riddled corpses and xenon valkyrie and the one i can never remember the name of demons tear oh yeah um Looking so they, those, playing that. yeah uh, so those, those three games are all sort of uh, really cool variations on action games with a bit of roguelike and stuff in there um but alongside all this stuff um cowcat games has also been working on some adventure games so he's already got one out in the wild called Demetrios, um which which i do want to check out now having played the prologue for brock but brock seems to be like his his huge big passion project that he's been working on for ages um there is a free prologue chapter out there now that you can download from steam and gog.com for free. Uh, it's about three hours of gameplay, which is longer than some old adventure games. Um, so you you can enjoy that now and then he's uh launching a kickstarter early in this year to sort of fund the rest of development the game is mostly done from what i understand but the the kickstarter is mostly for sort of polishing things up and adding some extra game elements and making sure all the voice actors get paid properly and more music and that kind of thing so the idea behind brock is that it's a um it's a game set in a futuristic dystopia uh, where humans are completely absent for some reason um, that hasn't been revealed yet. So So I'm guessing that will be a plot point at some point because they do mention humans at certain points. Um, but the, the entire population has been replaced by anthropomorphic animals. Um, so the main character is an alligator called Brock, uh, who is a, a former boxer and he used to live in the the sort of affluent district of the domed city which is just uh, so he used to be what's called co- what's known as a drummer but at some point in the past he got uh, pushed out into the slum so he's now living there with his adoptive son um, and working as a private investigator and handyman um, so the the prologue chapter that's available now um, sees him working through a full case, so he gets he gets a contact from a client who is a police officer who's lost his gun. So the whole um, the whole prologue chapter is is trying to solve this case, figure out what happened to the gun, uh, where the police officer lost it, why he lost it, and all that sort of thing. And it gives you the opportunity to go through several of these interesting environments, uh, both outside and inside the Dame City, interact with the characters, and all that sort of thing. So there's a few really cool things about Brock. Uh, first of all, is the the aesthetic, which is very sort of um, sort of eighties, nineties Saturday morning cartoon type look to it. So it's 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 got a, a lovely sort of um, sort of animated TV show look about it. Um, so lots of lots of sort of big areas of flat color on the characters. They're very very cartoony. They're well animated. Uh, the lip-syncing on the sort of close-up portraits when you're talking to people is really nice and the voice acting is really excellent as well it's not anyone that i've heard of but the it's pretty consistently excellent throughout the uh the prologue chapter that i've played so far the main character in particular they've absolutely nailed the casting for that so good job there um the other interesting thing about this game is that it incorporates beat-em-up elements um yeah. So this is sort of the big unique selling point of the game. So um at various points in the game uh there are combat sequences which play like a belt scrolling beat em up so you can move up and down, you can punch, you can jump, you can attack, you can do special moves and all that sort of thing. As you engage in combat, um you will gain experience and you'll get additional moves and be able to power up his various abilities. Um, but the beat em up mechanics are also used throughout the adventure segments as well so you can switch to action mode at any time and that allows you to do things like jump on platforms and try and knock down doors and that sort of thing so it's not just for combat that's cool um the other cool thing is that the game has clearly been designed so that every situation you are confronted with has multiple ways of resolving it as well and they usually fall into a sort of wits or fists path so okay. like you could you can resolve something by beating the shit out of something or by solving some sort of puzzle. Um and at the end of the prolog chapter and I assume subsequent chapters in the full game, you get a little flow chart showing the various decision points and the path that you took. Um and if you're online it compares uh what you did with uh the other players so you can see like 76% of players took this approach and so on. Um there seem to be some fairly hefty consequences for taking different approaches as well. Because on this summary screen, there's like an indicator showing who is still alive, for example, um, and uh, your relationship values with various characters and so on. So there's obviously going to be lots of different branching points around the place that allow the whole thing to play out quite differently and make the whole thing very replayable. So, oh, that's neat. yeah, I'm really looking forward to this because um, I follow uh, Fabrice Breton on Twitter. And he's, he's been obviously really, really enthusiastic and passionate about this project for a long time now. Um, and it's it's just nice to see it gradually coming to fruition. And it seems like the finished product is going to be something very special. So, um, yeah, I wish him the best of luck and I look forward to, to playing the whole thing there. And that's, I would recommend anyone who is curious about what I've talked about there to check out the free prologue chapter. Because you can just, just pick it up, play it several times and like i said there's a good two or three hours of gameplay there as well
1: so it's exciting yeah yeah it's uh god i love a good indie project coming together Mm.
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's a perfect example of indie developers picking up the slack for um sort of big developers uh, not doing certain types of game anymore sure so like the so the the point of click adventure used to be huge 30 years ago like early 90s the point of click adventure was triple a that was what your triple a games were they were and click adventures from LucasArts and sierra
1: sure
0: now they are very niche interest indie things but there are still loads and loads of people out there who have very fond memories of those days when point of click adventures were the new hotness and so there's there's a real market for this sort of thing and blending it with sort of modern game developments um, and improvements in mechanics and presentation and that sort of thing as well yeah it's ideal
1: yeah, yeah, this this sounds really interesting. Uh, especially you know you know me, I'm I'm more of like an action guy and like a hard boiled mechanics guy, so I, I've generally speaking, I bounce off of traditional um adventure games. Not that I don't like the puzzle solving elements of them, but I just need mm-hmm. more in terms of like a classic gameplay hook. Yeah. That's why I'm enjoying origami king so much because it's got the rpg combat and the exploration elements along with the the adventure game style puzzle solving so to, to have this beat-em-up hook in there sounds like something i would really be able to get behind
0: yeah yeah the other nice thing with this is this uh, there's a sort of collectible aspect in there as well that ties in with uh making the adventure aspect a bit more um accessible i guess you'd call it um so every room you visit in the game every environment you visit in the game has three uh like hidden objects uh, either secreted in pieces of scenery or in some cases hiding in plain sight um and you can find those and you can use those as currency to unlock hints so uh and it does that in three stages so if you're in a place and you're not sure what to do you can spend one of these to get a vague hint on what you might want to look at uh or, or think about doing next then the second one gives you slightly more specific information and the third one gives you the solution um so it should be pretty rare that you get completely stuck on this which is good because it's obviously shaking, shaping up to be quite a long game and the old the old adventure games the early 90s ones that i was talking about if you knew what you're doing those were really short i recorded a playthrough of a game called rise of the dragon the other night and the whole game is an hour and a half if you know what you're doing yeah yeah. um but it it took me months to get through that when i first played it just because you'd get stuck for weeks at a time because there weren't readily available walkthroughs or anything like that you just had to figure everything out for yourself
1: yeah i remember the longevity of the majority of those games was just simply because the puzzles were nonsense
0: yes yes i
1: remember playing I, I used to play the Kirandia the series.
0: Yes, yes.
1: And, like, the, f- I remember there being a puzzle in the one where it was, like, there was, like, a taco stand and, like someone wanted like mayonnaise to go on his fish tacos and, like you had to go through this whole thing to like find the mayonnaise for like the fish taco it was just like what is <laughs> what is going like that specifically like sticks out to me is like a distinct like just nonsense puzzles and like nonsense yeah. solutions like oh yeah. you This guy's being bothered by flies. What do we need to find? A mop head and a battery. (laughs) Like, like, it never made sense.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I I mean, to this game's credit, all the puzzles that are in there do seem pretty logical. But, as I say, this hint feature is there in case you do get stuck as well. So, it's it's designed to sort of be... um, sort of allow you to progress smoothly through the whole thing and just enjoy the story, which is obviously the priority. There's there's even, like, a mode where you can skip the combat sequences if you are someone who prefers to focus on the story side of things as well. well so cool. it's obviously, obviously designed to appeal to as wide an audience as possible. And someone like you, you can turn up the difficulty of the action sequences and make it more sort of exciting and action-y if you want to as well. So, yeah, good stuff. All right, what else you got?
1: What else do I got? Uh, Going on the independent side of things, uh, I'm really excited for this game called Kaze and the Wild Masks.
0: Okay, yeah, not heard of that one.
1: Yeah, the developer is is called Pixel Hive. I think this is their first game. I've not seen anything by them before. Um, It's just a proper 90s style cartoony mascot platformer. Nice it doesn't seem to have any kind of modern concessions like tacked on rpg elements almost like how we were talking about streets of rage 4 is a very pure experience yeah it's just a kind of a an old school beat-em-up made with uh, modern hardware and modern um you know modern performance enhancements but still very much an old school game in terms of the way it plays that's what this appears to be as well um there's different, like, transformations. You get the different masks, and they give you abilities, like flight or whatever, as temporary mm-hmm. power-ups. And it's just absolutely sumptuous pixel art. Like, massive, expressive, well-animated sprites. Like, I I, I just really can't wait to play this, because it just looks, oh, yeah. looks like it's going to feel like playing Sonic and Rocket Knight Adventures and whatever back in the day. Like,
0: Yeah, this looks great. There's, um almost looks a bit like uh do you play jazz jack rabbit sure sure yeah there's a a touch of that about the aesthetic i think certainly yeah yeah this looks really like super smooth and slick and interesting level designs and combat i i do know this i remember you sharing this with me the other day now i just couldn't remember what it was called but yeah this this looks great
1: yeah you know we we did a whole episode what was it two years ago about Mm -hmm. how much we love 2D 16 bit platformers uh, that aren't necessarily <laughs> Sonic or Mario. It's like yeah. when something like this emerges and it looks to be really well made and executed with uh, a certain amount of care, because um, it's very easy to slap one of these together and, and just kind of cash in on the idea of it. But like this one looks quite lovingly crafted. Um, oh, yeah,
0: and, definitely. They I mean, look very much like they know what they're doing with this.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, be really interested to see how this turns out. And uh kind of going on character platformers too um, I'm really excited for Battle and Wonderworld
0: oh yeah yeah.
1: Um, so um, I know we've mentioned this once or twice before especially when it was like announced Balan back at like not e3 time but <laughs> but um, Square Enix has teamed up with uh, Yuji Naka uh, the mm-hmm. basically the father of Sonic the Hedgehog and they started this development team within Square Enix called the Balan Company um, and Yuji Naka has paired up with Naoto Oshima, which is another one of like the fathers of Sonic the Hedgehog apparently they haven't actually worked on a game together in almost 20 years um, and they are making this new 3D character action platformer um, under Square Enix in what appears to be kind of a brand they're trying to establish, so they've created this character Balan and it's this kind of goofy cartoony guy with a top hat and a weird grin and i think they're trying to establish this as a property almost like a sonic the hedgehog kind of thing where they want to yeah. make other games within this world with this character um so this is the first entry in, in what they hope to establish as a series and um you know it's very easy for developers to come out with lofty goals in these announcement trailers but in the initial announcement trailer, Yuji uh, Naka claimed that this quote packs in everything you can imagine from the genre. It is the action game of action games. Like, he's, he's very excited about, you know, what the modern hardware is allowing him to do in terms of creating a 3D action game. Um, there appears to be a ton of content. It's very ambitious. Um, there's, I guess, the hook of the game is costume-based transformations that then yield different abilities for the characters. Um, apparently, there's going to be 80 of those. So I don't know how varied uh, the actual abilities are going to get, but the, but there is apparently 80 different costumes for the characters to transform with. Yeah. Um, the whole aesthetic is super reminiscent of um, Naka's other works. Um nights into dreams of course and um uh, i love billy hatcher and the giant egg but i'm pretty in the minority in that but um yeah and this is coming at pretty much everything ps4 ps5 xbox switch steam um, but this is genuinely, to me, the game I'm most excited about potentially getting a PS5 for. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The aesthetics are so bright and beautiful. I just want to see this on the best possible hardware. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, there's also like the nostalgia part of me. There's something that feels so right about your first game for a new console being a Cartoony action platformer.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean.
1: You know, it's like when you're a kid and you've got Mario or Sonic, or like I my first game I bought for the PS4, love it or hate it, wasn't because like yeah. it felt like the right thing to do. When you buy a new <laughs> console, you buy a cartoony action platformer. Yes. Yeah. So to me, this is like the PS5's killer app. <laughs> and, and like, I'm really looking forward to it I think March it's supposed to come out that's what I'm hoping to be able to snag a PS5 to play this on because I don't really want to play it on lesser hardware the the graphics and the presentation are so stylized and the colors are so vibrant I just want this thing to sing on my 4K TV
0: yeah understandable cool right uh, what else have I got uh, Galgon Returns Oh, yeah. Which is actually out very soon, uh, in February, I think, I want to say. Um, unfortunately, the Xbox One version was cancelled recently, if you haven't seen that news. Uh, so, it's now just coming out on um, Windows PC and Switch. That's a shame.
1: Uh, the, Xbox, the Xbox community was probably really geared up to play that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, the, the the reason for that was that uh, Microsoft wanted them to make some edits to it uh, for the Xbox version, and uh, PQ said, uh, no. <laughs> so, good on them, I say. Um, so yeah, we, we are getting sort of the, the full uncut version on uh, PC and Switch in February. Um, so yeah, this, this this is a game that I'm very interested to play because, um, I mean, it's, it's the origin of the Gal Gun series with new stuff. Um and I've talked a bit about this uh, previously but the, the one of the things I really like about Galgun is that it's got it's it's much more than just a silly stupid sexy shooter it's it's got a real sense of world building and narrative and there's there's a clear sense that integrates really like these characters and they respect them and they like the world that this whole thing is taking place in and this is going to be interesting because in both Galgun Double Piece and Galgun Two, there have been lots of references to stuff that happened in the first Galgun game. Um, but up until this point, they've been just hearsay for anyone who who isn't able to speak Japanese. Um, but there's things like there's statues of a character who appears in the first Galgun, and in Galgun Returns, we'll be able to meet this character and see what's so special about her and so interesting about her and why she's so important to the overall setting and that sort of thing um and judging by the previous Galgun gun games as well there will be a substantial meta game in this as well so much more than just making your way through the various levels and trying to get high scores and so on there will be a substantial meta game of um collecting the profiles of all the characters and uh working through several different narrative routes through the game and ultimately playing the full-on dating sim mode where you have to sort of manipulate your stats in order to be able to interact with specific characters and have them like you and that sort of thing, so yeah, looking forward to this because Galgun has, has become a, a real favourite series of mine over the course of the previous two instalments, so I'm, uh, yeah, very intrigued to see what's next Yeah. Um, and as, as we've said numerous times previously, Inti Creates rarely put, out, uh, rarely put out bad stuff, so yeah, this this is shaping up to be a good time uh alongside that and going on with our discussion of B tier ichi earlier, uh I wanna mention Poison Control as well, which is oh, out yeah. later this year. It looks like it's already out in Japan because there's there's some gameplay videos up on YouTube now. Um so I'm still still really sort of kind of trying to struggle to figure out exactly what this game is, but I know that it looks cool and I want to play it. Um from what I can make out, um I'm actually seeing a certain resemblance to um penny punching princess and princess guide in terms of gameplay because it seems to be um very kind of arena based in battles uh so sort of confining you to a, a small area of a level at a time and tasking you with completing these individual encounters as you go through um, but the twist in this one seems to be rather than just um just combat there's an almost kind of uh, kicks. Element to it, where you're cleaning up the poison that's on the ground. So you switch between two characters. One character can actually fight off the enemies with a, with like some sort of gun or range attack or something like that. And the other character um, can run over the poison on the floor and clean up the poison on the floor. So, And it appears that in each battle there's sort of like a, a, a quota of poison you need to clean up in order to um, progress onwards. And then there's things you can pick up from defeating the opponents and you appear to get rated on like time and damage and experience and that sort of thing. So, as like I say, I don't know a ton about what this game is, what it means, how you play it, all that sort of thing. I just know that... Based on past experiences with B-tier Nipponichi, I'm keen to play it. And the main female character has some of the jiggliest boobs I've ever seen, judging by this footage.
1: (laughs) I have mixed feelings about that.
0: (laughs) Oh dear. Um, Right, other stuff uh, that I'm keen to look at. uh, Root Film is out this year as well. Uh, which is a follow-up to Root Letter say so, uh root letter if you've not come across it before is uh, an adventure game slash visual novel um it's it's kind of an adventure game in the old school japanese style in that it is it is mostly a linear visual novel but rather than just uh sort of advancing through text you advance the story by uh sort of making sure you click on the right things or you interact with the right characters at the right time and occasionally use items um so in execution it's very similar to capcom's ace attorney series um and i've described it as ace attorney for the over 30s on several occasions because it's it's got quite a sort of uh, mature storyline with adult age characters who are sort of going through adult things uh but also them looking back on their past life as school kids as well so there's um some some, some interesting narrative stuff going on in that game uh root letter also got remade as well uh it got a version where you can play the version with the original art or you can play a version with live action photograph versions as well so that's that cool. sort of Should adds, a Scramble style. Uh, yeah exactly it adds a, a sort of really interesting twist on the presentation and the, the whole vibe of the game is different when you play it with the different art as well uh root film sticks exclusively with sort of stylized artwork uh, it's got a very bold high contrast style about it um it's rather than being a sequel to root letter it's sort of a a thematically similar game from what i understand rather than like a direct follow-up as such Uh, i don't know a ton about the story or what goes on in it but based on how much i enjoyed the first root letter i'm looking forward to this a great deal as well i i like japanese adventure games um they tend not to be super challenging um in terms of puzzles and stuff but that's not necessarily a bad thing like we talked about with brock if it's a game that's narrative centric you don't want it to put up too much resistance along the way but root letters struck a good balance because it, it had interesting decisions for you to make along the way that could branch the story off in different directions and it had parts where you had to um sort of present the right pieces of evidence at the right time uh, while you were talking to people and had a really interesting uh, like emotional mechanic in it as well so while, while you were having a discussion with people in root letter, there were certain times where um, there was like this pulsing meter and you had to you had to use it to determine how intensely you were going to argue your point to the person, so okay. you had to sort of um, decide whether you, would, you were just going to sort of try and gently or calmly argue your point or if you're going to yell in their face. And at one point, there was one point where you have to you have to let it exceed the top of the meter, and it's you basically blowing your top at them and going completely ham on them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there were some really interesting things going on with that. I uh, don't know how much of that makes makes it into into root film, but I imagine at least some of that will be uh, along the way. Um, so yeah, that's that's one I'm looking forward to. Uh, what else have you got?
1: Uh, on the category of stuff that's old, but I'm finally going to get to it next year, is uh, Chasm.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so so Chasm is not new. Uh, it's been available on various platforms um, since 2018, so it's been around for a while now. But I've been holding off for physical releases, as I often do, uh, mm-hmm. and last year, Limited Run finally offered pre-orders for it, so I expect that it'll ship in 2021. Um, it's developed by a group called BitKid. It was a very successful Kickstarter game. Um, it is an open platform side-scroller where you explore a dungeon, but the the hook of the game that makes it unique is that the, uh, the world is procedurally generated, um, based on designed room, basically room components like Legos every time mm-hmm. you start a new game. So it's not a roguelike but every t- every new game is different, and every t- every person you talk to, their dungeon will be different. Yeah. Um. So in terms of its layout, um, which is really really neat. It's a really neat idea. Um, the town, the your like hub town upgrades as you delve into the dungeon and rescue people. Um, similar to a lot of the the old quintet games that we often talk about liking here, mm-hmm. stuff yep. like Soul Blazer and. Uh, or a dark cloud um so it's loving lovingly beautiful pixel art um it's got a very good reputation and it's honestly one of my most anticipated indie games like ever like for a long (laughs) for a long time um technically speaking chasm was the first game i played on the ps4 um before the PS4 came out, there were demo t- kiosks at Target stores, yeah. and and those Target store demo kiosks had an indie showcase on them, and there was a small mm-hmm. demo for Chasm way, oh, cool. way back before the PS4 even came out. So that gives you an idea of how long this game was in the cooker even before its 2018 complete release. So I've I've been champing at the bit for this one for quite some time. I really love the style of it. Uh, The visuals are just that right amount of that right amount of like restrained use of pixel where there's a lot of suggestion and like lower res look. But yeah, it's just that cusp of like, is it 16 bit? Is it 32 bit? This never quite existed, but it looks right anyway. Kind of feeling. Yeah. Yeah, it's one I'm one I'm very keen to get my hands on uh what else um persona five strikers i feel like we're both probably looking forward to that oh yeah
0: yeah yeah definitely especially now that's that's been confirmed like it was ever not gonna come out over oh yeah long. yeah come on it's just a matter <laughs> just a matter of
1: when but it turns out the when is february so it's mm. not, that, not that long um but yeah hey oh uh, muso style horde action game with yep. persona elements what's not to look forward to um mm-hmm you know the the personas drop from enemies just like the weapons basically and in, in traditional yeah. muso games so you'll be able to you'll be able to fuse them and collect them and level them up which um it's basically how weapons have been handled in the dynasty warriors games for years now um yeah. so that that should be a very clean and clear fit um the difference here is of course the um the action actually pauses when you want to do spells and special moves, just like turn-based mm-hmm. RPG. Like, it, like the, the screen stops and your menus come up. So it's got a bit of that like RPG flavor to it, which is going to kind of feel cool. Um, especially because yep. you know, those menus got that stylized persona look. So yeah, it's just more persona style menus, more persona music, but <laughs> on an, with an action face, um, which is for me just an absolute, Delight. <laughs> so.
0: Yeah, yeah, I am definitely all for that.
1: Give it to me.
0: All right, uh, I got a couple more I want to mention. Um, one is uh, actually one that I only noticed was was coming today while I was just sort of uh, finalising my list of things that I wanted to talk about. Um, which is Sin Reloaded. Okay. Uh, so um, Sin, if you're not familiar, is uh, the other first-person shooter that came out around the same time as Half-Life um and it was really good but because half-life came out at the same time uh it kind of flew completely under the radar and it also had loads of technical issues when it was first released and so um yeah it kind of uh, died a bit of a death on the shelves unfortunately but it's it's one of those games that people have sort of really fondly remembered ever since it originally released and i, I am one of those people i always actually preferred it to half-life to be perfectly honest because i preferred the way it told its story um but sin is a uh, a first person shooter uh, it's quite narrative centric um it's very level based so rather than half-life's approach of um proceeding through one long coherent world with occasional corridors with loading breaks in them sin was very kind of mission based and level based so it kind of straddled the line between the older school uh, approach of stuff like doom and quake and the more modern approach of incorporating a narrative into this kind of game Mm-hmm. It, was, it was one of the first first person shooters, I remember, that actually had a story that unfolded as you played it. So it was, it was quite distinctive at the time. Um, and it was just cool. Um, I, I, I remember loving it because it's got some fun characters in it. Uh, there's a lot of kind of banter between your character and uh, his, his, uh, his handler, who he's talking to over the, over the radio. Um, has a really good villainess in the form of Alexis Sinclair. Uh, who spends a lot of the game in sort of this kind of rubber bondage outfit which uh, was very exciting for 15 year old me um <laughs> but uh, yeah it was just a really solid shooter with some, with some good weapons some excellent level design um i think i've talked previously a few times on this before about how i really like games that unfold in kind of plausible realistic environments and um sin is a game that had a lot of those in so there was a lot of sort of going through uh, like office blocks and city streets and that sort of thing, and and uh, in contrast to a lot of games that tend to incorporate those environments these days, they were just office blocks and city streets. They weren't ruined office blocks and city streets. They weren't post-apocalyptic office blocks and city streets. They were just relatable environments in which you happen to have um, highly explosive gunfights against <laughs> robots and mutants and uh, women in bondage gear. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, I I only discovered recently that um it it yeah it's getting a reloaded version this year, and it's been worked on by Night Dive Studios. Um, so if if you, that name sounds familiar, Night Dive Studios are the people who've done stuff like the uh, the System Shock reboot a while back.
1: Oh okay. Um,
0: and they've they've also worked on a couple of other things as well. I forget exactly what offhand, but they they've they've done a good job of uh, kind of resurrecting a lot of old '90s properties both in terms of re-releasing them and of doing new versions of them as well uh so for example they brought back uh strife uh in 2014 which was a first person shooter crossed with a role-playing game That, uh much like sim sin uh got uh, largely overlooked at the time of its original release but uh, they re-released that back in 2014 you can get that on steam and gog uh system shock enhanced edition came out in 2015 uh, they remastered uh, Forsaken uh, which was a, uh, a kind of game that originally came out around the same time as Descent so it's a sort of uh, six degrees of freedom uh, flying shooter map. up I remember uh, so Forsaken they, Yeah, so they remastered that in 2018 uh, they did a re-release of Blood in 2019 uh, they're doing another new version of System Shock at some point um, exactly when uh, remains to be seen because they're still working on that and Sin reloaded is coming out in 2021 as well uh they've also got the rights to uh the later wizardry games uh so they were responsible for bringing wizardry 6 7 and 8 to gog and possibly steam hmm. uh and they've got the rights to a lot of uh old sort of um humongous entertainment stuff as well so things like spy fox putt putt pajama sam Freddy fish <laughs> that sort of thing um these are important
1: games these yeah. be, these, need, these need to be preserved. Put put. Put put yeah. was integral to my childhood.
0: Actually, I'm looking at this list. They've got their hands on loads of stuff over the years. They've got their hands on a lot of the old MicroPose stuff. Uh, so, stuff like Sid Meier's Pirates, um, awesome. Rex Nebula and the Cosmic Gender Bender, um, the Tex Murphy games. Those were great um, point and click adventures and some of the first sort of CD ROM full motion video games that didn't suck. Um, yeah, more. Microprose stuff, or humongous entertainment stuff. Terra Nova from Looking Glass. That's an underappreciated sort of mech shooter from the mid nineties. Yeah, God. Yeah, old oh, Turok is the is the one that they kind of uh, re released recently that I was thinking oh, of. Think. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Those those switch ports of Turok were quite well regarded.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, knowing that they have got their hands on Sin, uh, which is sort of, like I say, one of my favourite first-person shooters from back in the day. That's very exciting, because I'm keen to return to that. I actually nearly pulled the trigger on, on buying a copy on GOG.com the other night as part of their winter sale. And in fact, I might still do that, because it was like a pound or something like that. So, sure. Um, but yeah, that's 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 a game that I, I'm i excited to see make a return, and I'm really pleased that companies like Night Dive exist, um, both for sort of preserving the old versions and bringing them up to date as well uh and along those same lines uh one game that i'm interested in exploring this year at some point as well as the remaster of saga frontier which oh. we talked about in the news uh, a little while back as well but I'm, I'm really keen to play this because i remember uh seeing write-ups about it in magazines uh, back when it originally came out and seeing adverts for it and thinking that sounds really cool that sounds really interesting really cool something that i want to play I know it's a Saga game, so it will probably be a brick wall of difficulty in learning the mechanics. But um, Frontier yeah. is
1: like probably the most accessible. Saga I I, I game figured I was
0: got, I always got that impression. Yeah, I always got the impression that it was a bit more accessible. Um, saga Frontier Two, I remember playing back in the day and kind of bouncing off it a bit hard. But I I would like to return to that one as well. But the first Saga Frontier, I was. Thoroughly enamoured with the idea of an RPG where you could play as lots of different characters who had these independent intertwining stories, and now I'll hopefully finally have the opportunity to uh, to do that. So it would be nice to see if there's a, a physical release of that at some point, which is possible given that uh, some of Square Enix's remasters have been seeing physical releases. The the Final Fantasy Seven, VII, Eight, and Nine uh, remasters for Switch have had physical releases, even if it's only in Asia. Um, and in Europe, uh, strangely, the seven and eight came out as uh, as a European release as well. So that's nice. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, th- hopefully, this will get the same treatment. And *Romancing Saga* three got a Asian release, didn't it as well? That's so, what
1: that's what gives me hope here. That *Romancing yeah. Saga* three up- upgraded version got a got a physical release. I'm I'm mm-hmm. very proud to have that. Um, so yeah, I'm really hoping Frontier gets the same treatment. But then it's like some of the stuff doesn't. So like the the new saga they made a while ago, *Scarlet Grace* that didn't that didn't get an english language physical pressing so yeah yeah, it's it's weird like some some do some don't it's always saga's always kind of been a bastard stepchild like it's 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 weird i don't know i've always appreciated it but it's it's always been a (laughs) crapshoot
0: right then Okay, that's that's most of my list um, that sort of came to mind immediately when I was thinking of of uh, what I'm looking forward into 2021. Uh, have you got anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's there's lots of other stuff, obviously, but nothing I can really speak about in like too much detail, right? Like, mm-hmm. so, so like I'm, uh, you know, most of the stuff I've mentioned is all stuff that's going to come out in the first three or four months of the year because yeah. it's all stuff that uh, we're, we have information on, we're intimately yes. familiar with. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know what June. What what I you know I don't really know what's coming out in April forward. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, you know, lots of stuff in my backlog. You know, you and I have been really focusing on 360 and PS3 retro collecting lately. Like, mm-hmm. um, I really want to get a chance to check out um, Remember Me. I recently got a copy of Remember Me. I've never never oh, played yeah, yeah. that. Um, that's that's
0: um, is that the one that's Don't Nod?
1: Yeah, that was like one of Don't yeah. Nod's first games, mm-hmm. um, published by Capcom, kind of a action action combat with some adventure game mystery solving elements uh, associated with it in this kind of future beautiful like euro future um mm-hmm. really cool really keen to check that out um i recently picked up copies of the mugen souls games which are kind of like oh yeah 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 n- nippon ichi's disgaea games like the philosophy yes. of like bigger numbers more 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 but applied to like turn based role playing game combat so yeah. um, I never got a chance to check those out when they were mm-hmm. new. So that, that's something I want to spend some time with this year. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, you remember how I said at the start with stuff that's been on the shelf for a decade? Well, that's yeah. that's that's me and Mugen Souls. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> for sure. Those, those
1: games are intimidating because they're supposed to be massive. Yeah, um,
0: I've actually got a fair few PS3 RPGs I want to look at at some point, and a, a lot of them are from Nipponichi and sort of surrounding environs. So, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah the, the two Mugen Souls games are ones I want to look at. Um, I want to. I, I know it's probably not going to be great, but I, w- I do want to look at Trinity Universe yeah. uh, from Compile Heart mm-hmm. uh, because as the sort of direct predecessor to Neptunia, I think that's going to be really interesting. Uh, one of the first games with t- Sunako artwork uh, and guest appearances from other characters. Uh, from yeah. other games uh there's the two uh, i can't remember if they were, if they were actually nipponichi or not but there's there's like two uh isometric roguelikes uh guided Fate paradox and uh awaken uh. Fate ultimatum
1: mm-hmm. oh you didn't play those
0: no, I've got them, but I haven't played them yet, um, because cool. I, I had I had this grand plan of playing ZHP on the PSP first, uh, mm. but then I realised that that game is like a thousand-hour commitment, like uh, like a disguise game. But uh, yeah, I, I might still try and play those in sequence at some point. Because uh, yeah, I really enjoy what I have played of ZHP, or ZHP or whatever you want to call it. Um, it's, it's a really interesting take on the roguelike genre, from a time where... People were still kind of learning about the roguelike genre, so it wasn't anywhere near as saturated as as it is now. Um, And it was was a really intriguing take on it with some sort of persistent progression and an element of resetting your character but making them more powerful and that sort of thing. So, yeah, those seem like really mechanically interesting games but also ones that you could potentially lose a lot of your life to. So I've been
1: holding off on those for, again, about 10 years or so, just in case... I don't, I don't, I don't think you're allowed to talk about ZHP without saying its full name.
0: I beg your pardon. ZHP Unlosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil
1: Man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Thank you I, for
0: that. I apologize for my oversight. I'm, I'm sorry. It should be its full full title, shouldn't it? Which is Zeti Hero Project
1: Unlosing Ranger versus Dark Death Evil Man, I just, starring <laughs>
0: Super Baby.
1: I just. <laughs> we can. Now- you you should never pass up an opportunity to say dark death evil man <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh that that is a fun game actually i must return to that at some point that is that is i think one of the first games i played where the first thing you do is fight the final boss and lose um, yeah. and and one of the, the really fun thing about that game is as you progress through the game you fight the final boss again but you fight him in the style of various different rpgs as the game progresses So the first time you fight him, it's like Final Fantasy 1 graphics. And as you progress, it's like more and more advanced graphics and 16-bit backgrounds and better music and that sort of thing until by the end, you're sort of uh, (laughs) indulging in sort of full-on pyrotechnic RPG from the period.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Oh, so cool. Oh, God. I'm Uh, I'm never going to get through all these games, am I?
1: (laughs) No. no, Consider it an investment in your retirement. Indeed. Indeed. One more I want to slap down. I can't really talk about it because I've, I've specifically been in avoiding everything. Yep. But um, Papa wants Bravely Default too. Um, yep. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the original Bravely Default is probably my favorite, if not my absolute favorite, than one of my favorite games of the past decade. Mm-hmm. Um, Akihiko Yoshi is one of my all-time favorite artists. Like His specific vision of like what a fantasy world looks like, his use of line and yeah. color are just like inherently pleasing to me so anytime he's working on character design in a game um i didn't even play the demo of this i've i've stayed into dark because it's so super important to me but yeah bravely default too.
0: yep yep for sure
1: all right are we done i think so
0: i think that's a very like, substantial
1: more games than our busy adult buns are ever going to have time to play in one in one year so
0: yeah well like i say when you've got games that are stretching back to sort of ps1 era and beyond uh you need to play yeah you don't really need to worry about new stuff do we
1: but we still buy buy it it anyway anyway.
0: (laughs) because we have the pretty boxes on our shelves i like the pretty
1: boxes
0: i like the pretty boxes on my shelves anyway all right let's leave that there for now then right would you like to tell people where to find you online as usual
1: absolutely you can uh you can see and purchase my artwork at ccaskeyart.com and uh, as always please follow me on instagram at ccaskeyart c-c-a-s-k-i-e-a-r-t for uh, work in progress updates um about to about to finish up a new painting so uh, keep an eye out
0: lovely stuff and you can find my writing most days on MarioGamer.net uh like i say we're just finishing off the arlen series i just posted the last piece on the telly today at the time of recording uh so we'll be moving on to the dusk series next Uh, alongside that as i said earlier i'll be looking at some bizarre creations games from over the years as well along with the usual coverage of evercade and retro gaming and whatever i feel like writing on any given day which has always been how i do things and it seems to work out just fine so um don't forget to follow me on youtube as well subscribe to me whatever the official word is um smash that like button smash that like button smash it smash it harder and ring the bell and all that bullshit um yeah if you are listening to this podcast on soundcloud don't forget there's a video version that you can watch with footage of the stuff that uh, we have talked about where i've been able to find some obviously in the case of some upcoming stuff i will have very limited stuff to work with but i'll do my best um on youtube as well there's also the weekly atari A Z Z series where i look at atari 8-bit atari st and games from the atari st uh, beg your pardon atari flashback classics collection uh, for nintendo switch i'm going to be doing something with the atari jaguar this year as well haven't decided exactly what yet and don't say throw it in the bin because i spent a lot of money on it um, <laughs> <laughs> so i'll be doing something with atari jaguar in the new year uh, but remains to be seen exactly how i handle that so far um and then of course there's the weekly short play episodes on there as well which is just whatever i feel like covering any given week and other bits and bobs as well as you see fit um right so that's it just remains for us to say as always thank you very much for watching and or listening and we'll see you again next time Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, remember you can watch a video version of it over on YouTube. Be sure to check out moegamer.net for new articles on Japanese and Japanese-inspired video games new and old every weekday. Every month, Moegamer features an in-depth exploration of an individual game or series as its cover game, so be sure to check the archives to see if your favourite has had a deep dive yet. If you'd like to support the site directly, please consider becoming a patron or buying me a coffee. You can find links to do both over on moegamer.net.
1: Thanks again, and I'll see you next time.